The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, today, continue with the 25 Years series, and we have John Eisenberg on again, this time to talk about the life and times of Kyle Bowler, certainly a, a controversial figure, a, a, an often talked about figure in Ravens history. John, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing, Ken? Uh, no complaints at all. So, uh, you know, the name Kyle Bowler comes up and a, and a lot of images <laughs> come to mind, I think, for Ravens fans, a lot of what ifs in some ways. But uh, Kyle Bowler, quite the prospect coming out of California and the Tedford system, correct? He was, he was a Tedford quarterback? Yes, he was. He was. He was a Tedford and, uh, you know, not a particularly winning quarterback either. Uh, and not a particularly tall quarterback either, but uh, a quarterback with a lot going for him. You know, he was he was an impressive, uh, you know, had just had that big arm and a physical specimen. The thing I'll always remember is him going down uh, at the combine and kneeling down at the 50 yard line and throwing the ball through the upright. So that's a, you know, a 60 yard throw at some height. Uh, was very impressive to people. And I thought Ravens fans, you know, could get excited about that. 
Uh, yes. but that, that maybe we talk in advance about a little bit about the 2003 first round and how that played out for the Ravens, because that's a that's maybe an episode into itself. So we can't go into that deep into it. But well, I mean, yes, I mean, the Ravens go into that and, uh, you know, they're they're looking. I mean, the, the Ravens went, went into that. They're they're looking for a quarterback. Uh, you know, they're sort of a quarterback star franchise uh, and had been for a number of years, even though they won a Super Bowl without one. Uh, a young quarterback and uh, they had one I mean that year I mean they, they had been through a lot of things they'd won a Super Bowl they had Elvis Gurr back that didn't work out they kept trying to solve that situation and they just couldn't uh, and so they go to 2003 and uh, there was a quarterback they really liked Byron Leftwich mm-hmm. uh, you know coming out of Marshall I believe it was that's correct and and a big strong uh, Ozzy loved him. Art Modell loved him. Uh, they had scouted him, and uh, you know they were they really wanted to take him and 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 just cast their future with him. And so Leftwich went on to who played elsewhere. I'll get to that part. But Leftwich said, "I thought I was going to the Ravens for sure." They who were you know were just openly expressing their interest in me. And uh, the, the only question was they he was a pretty he was a valued commodity, and they had to get up pretty high in the draft to get it. And so uh, they thought, uh, uh, the, the, uh, I'm trying to remember it exactly, but they, they wanted to move up in the draft. Yeah. And uh, they were arranging a trade. They had a trade set with the Vikings. Or they were, uh, when the Vikings were on the clock, I believe it's number seven. Yes, that's The correct. Ravens were at 10. And uh, they had a deal struck with the Vikings. To they were going to give like a second round pick and a fourth round pick, and they were going to move from ten to seven, and they were going to take Leftwich, and so the, the the Vikings were weighing offers. They took the Ravens' offer, so like thirty seconds left on the clock, and but all the mechanics of the draft failed. I mean, uh, uh, what happened exactly is not clear. The NFL said the Vikings didn't get the card in, and the Ravens never talked to Joel Bussert, the, the you know the functionary who's running the thing. So it, it just the Ravens actually had to do something like this later on with the 2011. I think they just passed yeah, on the Jimmy pick. Smith. Yeah. yeah, they just passed. Didn't they didn't make the pick? So other teams jumped in and started picking players. And uh, Jacksonville were, took Leftwich, and then yes. Carolina took Jordan Gross. Right, and, and both of both those uh, Jordan pick. Gross went on to a great career. Great career. Um, and then Kevin Williams, another great career, got great picked career. by Minnesota. And so they were he, they were finally back on. They dropped two spots. And there was a question about whether they were going to pay him or not. I don't want to get into that. But but he had a great career. And then, of course, the Ravens got Terrell Suggs at number 10, which, yeah. thank goodness, instead of Leftwich. Yeah, I mean, that was a very fortuitous. And so they got Suggs. So one of the all-time great picks, you know. And, and so uh, it worked out fine from that regard. But they didn't have their quarterback. So they're antsy. And, and uh, they wound up trading up. Uh, they, they traded their second round pick and a fourth round pick, I think. And the first from the next year. The first from the next year, a lot, mm-hmm. to move with the Patriots, wasn't it, I think? That's correct. It's the pick used for Vince Wilfork the next year. Used, see, good player there. But they moved up to 19 and took Bowler. They liked Bowler. Uh, and so he wasn't Byron Leftwich, but he was someone, you know, the real question was, are you going to get a guy you want? So he they... They they liked it and they took it. 
All right. And so they, they've got they've got Bowler now and they brought him in in 2003. Uh, I guess there was still some question as to whether he would start immediately. And then he played well at the end of the preseason, won the starting job for the, for that first game, started against Pittsburgh on the road. Kind of a tough assignment in that week one game. Yeah, well, he uh, Chris Redman was on the team and uh, uh, I believe Anthony Wright was on the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is 2003, <coughs> excuse me. And so, yeah, so they, he wins the job. And, and of course, you know, that's what happens with, uh, you know, a player who, uh, you know, as, as I interviewed Billick, Brian Billick for my podcast. And, uh, you know, when I did a session on him and I uh, did an episode on him and Billick said, you know, his feeling is when you draft a quarterback in the first round, you play. That's, that's just, he feels there's nothing to be gained. From sitting on the bench, which I, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure I agree with that. But uh, as a, in this day and age in football, if you're going to draft a quarterback and cast your future with him, they throw him in there. And and uh, anyway, the Ravens did in 2003 with Bowler. And Bowler told me later on when I interviewed him, he says, "In no way, shape, or form was I ready. I, I, I was nowhere close to being ready to start. But they started me, so I did." And which was quite a comment. None, none of the other guys were ready either that year. So Redmond yeah. got a, got a chance again against against St. Louis uh, and really got demolished. He never played again for the Ravens after a, a, a truly awful game there. Uh, and then uh, Anthony Wright came in, led him to five and one down the stretch in the playoffs. Had that incredible comeback against Seattle. Uh, but Bowler was back then for the 2004 season, and and again the starting quarterback uh, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so second-year player, uh, Anthony Wright leads them to a division title uh, the year before, and uh, uh, that was the year Jamal Lewis rushed for 2,000 yards. And and so Bowler, uh, I mean, they, they he could easily have kept that job right, but uh, they gave it back to Bowler. He was their first-round pick, and they said, all right, this is our future. And so that's 2004 season. He plays the whole year. He gets 16 starts. He's not hurt. Plus, uh, 2003, you know, he had that injury. 2004, he plays uh, the whole season. They go 9-7, just missed the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's a defense-oriented – I mean, what I learned from interviewing Bowler and from Billick all these years later, I mean, you know, it was a very short leash. He wasn't the, here very long as a starter. He wasn't in the lineup. But uh, the reasons why that happened, uh, and looking back on it, uh, it was a defensive-oriented team. Uh, and so they were very conservative. And, uh, you know, it was – Run the ball twice. It's third and eight. And, you know, don't lose the game. The defense is going to win the game. Don't lose the game. And so Bowler uh, felt that. Yeah. And, and Bill agreed to this. You know, it's he wasn't really set up to succeed in that regard. you got a quarterback with a big arm who can make a lot of plays, but that's what the, not what they wanted him to do. And so, uh, you know, it was. Not a great situation. His stats were very average. His quarterback terrible. Rating, yeah, <laughs> like seventy was his quarterback rating. I think. Yeah, thirteen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. So, um, but he's he's the starter. But so then they go into two thousand five, and and uh, it gets worse. It gets mm-hmm. worse. He gets hurt, and um, he the team played went on a long losing streak and had a long and losing streak. Yeah. And he comes back at the end of the year and has those big games. That it's a losing season. He comes back and has big games against the Vikings, uh, or I'm sorry, against the Packers on Monday Packers night and football. Vikings. He outduels Brett Favre. There's one for you, and uh, has a huge game, and then another huge game, and then a dud at the end of the year. But anyway, and then they trade for McNair. They trade for Steve McNair, 
the Ravens made the decision after three years after drafting him uh, uh, that they uh, they felt like Billick told me uh, what the, the feeling was in the organization is we have a good team. We can win. We have a good defense. We have a good running back. We have good young players. We can win. The quarterback position is there's just too much uncertainty. It's holding us back. So we want more certainty at that position. So they went and got McNair, who was older at that point, but you know, one of the all-time competitor, tough guy, veteran quarterbacks. And so you know, it, it worked well in 2006. They had a great season. But you know, Bowler was uh, cast adrift. You know, he was a, basically a backup for the rest of his career. Uh, and, and so it was all these years later, very interesting to talk to him and to Billick because he's sort of held up here as, uh, you know, the all-time bust. Um, but uh, there, there are two sides to the story. And uh, depending on how much you want to, most people don't want to believe any of that stuff, have faith. But uh, I'm always sort of interested to, to look into things and sort of go back to that time. And you know, there's something to, to some of that, uh, some of that, you know, that they... It was not, he was not, he told me, he said, I sure wish Steve McNair had been there when I was a rookie. He said, yeah. you know, because I, I had nobody. He said, I love Chris Redmond to death, but uh, I had nobody to show me how to be an NFL quarterback, how to go through my work week, how to study film, how to, and you hear years later, these guys like Ed Reed and Ray Lewis are so important about studying film. Bowler, he never understood that. Um, so, uh, things like that are important. And so he was sort of just thrown into the fire. And, you know, it's great to get an opportunity. A lot of guys would kill for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the quarterback position in the modern NFL, you can be unprepared. And his feeling is he was unprepared. And yeah. the, the Ravens didn't prepare him. It's interesting. It's interesting because five years later, of course, the Ravens draft Joe Flacco, 18th pick instead of 19th pick. So there's not a lot of difference in expectations for these two quarterbacks. But Joe Flacco unexpectedly wins the job in the last preseason game where Troy Smith gets, gets sick and whatnot. But I, it did not fail for Joe Flacco. In fact, he played every game for many years and, and, yep. uh, and was immediately successful as a playoff quarterback. So it can go the other way. Yeah, I, I'd like to hear a compare and contrast between the start of those careers, those two careers, because in terms of, of their play style, a lot of that, their arm talent and whatnot, uh, Bowler probably not as accurate as Flacco, but still, you know, they were big pocket quarterbacks, both of them. I think that's why Bowler's complaints uh, sort of fall on deaf ears uh, for the most part. It is that, is that Flacco came along just five years later and made it work. Uh, why why uh, people don't uh, believe it. Um, he, I, I would say, a little bit of a difference. Did they have, the Ravens didn't really have a, a go-to receiver at, at when he was a rookie. They brought in Derek Mason, I think, in 2005. I think it was. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're correct. Um, but uh, and so Joe had that. Yeah, they had two guys they brought in in 2003, and Frank Sanders and Marcus Robinson. Marcus Robinson had a big game with Anthony Wright. Frank Sanders never really did very much at all for the Ravens. But uh, but you're right, they didn't they didn't have much, and so they still they still had Travis Taylor kind of at the end of his Ravens career was their other guy. So it wasn't a great passing game. wasn't great receivers around him. The line I think was pretty good. Um, and so Joe probably in a similar situation there did have Derek Mason, uh, and, uh, you know, some of the same guys, Todd Heap. And, uh, so it was similar. I, I, I think, I think the real difference, uh, in those two 
is maybe something that you can't see, and that is the intangibles, uh, the mental side of the game. Uh, Bowler uh, admitted to me, he said, I let too much stuff get to me. I let the criticism get to me. I let the fans get to me. Uh, I made a mistake there, and I fought those battles. You know, when somebody would criticize me, I'd get mad, or, you know, the fans. I mean, he's a real... Couldn't, I mean, he's a, he's a nice guy. I mean, it's interesting to hear. He was not a particularly combative guy. I always found him to be very pleasant covering him, even in tough times. Mm-hmm. But uh, Joe, I think, is a little more tunnel-visioned and just doesn't care. Joe, he never... Uh, and maybe it's because from the get-go, Joe had success. He's in the AFC Championship game as a rookie. So, you know, maybe it's that all, it was all good. I mean, they certainly had him on a tight leash in 2008. He was he was a man, game manager in 2008, but he did it successfully, and so it was sort of overachieving. Everybody loves that, and the, the beginning of Flacco's career was great. It was some of the best days of it, and and so maybe that's the difference. Is is Joe got off to a better start uh, with a winning season, and. Uh, he, I just didn't, I don't think he cared about what people said about him and he still doesn't what people said about him or thought about him. And he was extremely, the underrated thing about Joe Flacco, uh, extremely confident in his own abilities from the big, really confident. Like, don't, don't ask me about this cause you're going to, you're going to hear me talk about how I don't want to do this, but I can tell you how great I am because I'm great. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he always felt that way. And uh, so he just didn't let on a whole lot. So I don't know that Kyle had that uh, insight. So maybe there's a key difference there. Is it, uh, if Flacco, in terms of his off-field habits, his, the way he would train to, to prepare for a game, I mean, obviously he had Arbaugh from the beginning. Uh, he, he probably had a better structured system, I would guess, whereas I could see the frustration occasionally when you could see Bowler and Billick on one particular segment. And th- at the time, Bowler was dating Tara Reed. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, so that's a mistake to start with probably. But right. anyway, I, I, one of the things Billick said to him very pointedly is, Kyle, you ready to get back here and work? And it's, it's, the implication was so slathered in poison, you know, in terms of, of you know, you're not working, you need to work. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that falls back on what uh, he said was missing was uh, a Steve McNair type person or some mentor. There was no mentor, and uh, I don't know that Joe had that uh, either. But uh, again, it, it falls to the uh, it's sort of the way they're wired. Joe understood that. Uh, you know, Kyle is a laid back California kid. He was twenty one years old, twenty two. He's good looking, and he could. Uh, you know, he wanted to go out and have fun. Uh, you know, Joe pretty quickly was married, you know, East Coast guy, you know, married, started having a family. It's just different. And I think that probably that probably helped. I mean, Kyle had to uh, go through uh, a period where he was, uh, you know, going to be a young single guy. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. He had to learn. Joe just seemed to have it from from the get go. What you know, he would. Maybe it's because he's from Delaware, you know, University of Delaware. I mean, you're not exactly coming in from Ohio State, 
You, you are coming in from the University of Delaware. You're in the NFL. No one thinks you should be there anyway, just in terms of pedigree. So you know you're going to have to work. You're not going to take anything for granted. And uh, that, that's, that's just how Joe sort of was. It was an interesting combination, Flacco, the young Flacco, of, of being supremely confident, as I said, really, really confident, but yet humble in, in a way of, oh, boy, you know, this is I'm in the NFL now. I better I better I better do the right thing. Right. It's, it's amazing because I think the game has changed a lot even since 2008 yeah. and maybe certainly since 2003. But a, a guy like Bowler needed a position specific coach in the offseason. The CBA doesn't really allow for that. Uh, but the team still direct players to find their own offseason guy. So Lamar Jackson and, and Harris's relationship is central to, to, you know, to how the Ravens have been successful in, in yes, making very much so. And uh, Bowler was cast adrift, really. You know, I mean, he was out of college, and and, and in that sense, yeah. I mean, so he didn't. Uh, and I'm trying to remember. I, I cannot recall who the offensive coordinators were, where, who, what era, because they shuffled through them a lot. Yeah, Cavanaugh at first, Cavanaugh. Would have been still calling the plays, and then they had Jim Fossil for a while in 2006 when Kyle was a backup, and then he, he midseason, but Bowler took the play calling back. Or sorry, uh, Billick took it back. Uh, and then he was still around as a starter in 2007 because McNair was hurt all the time. And I'm trying to think about who was calling plays at that point. Uh, but I don't, I just don't remember, but Flacco had different, different offensive coordinator every year there for a while. Yes, he did. Uh, but early in his career, uh, the structure around him was unchanged for a while, if I recall correctly. So there was some continuity and somewhere along the line, he just sort of, under you know got into a system uh and as as it was developing and sort of found his role in there and you know i think he was handled pretty well as a young player honestly uh they they were very careful with the you go back and look at like the 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 playoff game they won in tennessee when tennessee was one that year you know joe they weren't asking joe to do a whole lot you know again it was uh don't screw it up and so they were very. They didn't. They didn't expect him to go out and win the game. Just don't lose the game. And he was pretty good at that. As a yeah, he, he, he was very good at that. I mean, he made two plays in that ball game. The big, the big throw to Mason that got the game tied before halftime at seven. And then he also made the big third and third and two conversion to heap. Uh, and then they they pretty much ran the ball otherwise to 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 move the ball up the field on that drive. But yeah. Was, so and what's funny is that season. I mean, they were briefly teammates, Bowler and Flacco. I mean, but Bowler was at training camp, and I think in two thousand and eight, uh, or certainly at the spring practices. I can't remember because he he got hurt. Uh, I don't think he was on the team, but uh, he something happened. Did he get injured? I can't remember exactly how it ended, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he knows Joe. I mean, and he was a Joe fan, very much a Joe fan when I spoke to him. Huh. That's, that's uh, interesting to hear. Is there any other cautionary tale component that you've got in your conversations with Bowler over the years that would have been a, uh, you know, if, if this had been different, I might have had a chance. You mentioned the, the, the having a quarterback mentor. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it, uh, he, his, this is his perspective, okay? His perspective is it was a running offense, didn't have uh, uh, top receivers. Uh, you know, I didn't have mentors. Uh, you know, th- those things 
I mean, it's just, it was a set of things. And maybe if he'd had one of them, you know, more, more passing or a mentor or whatever. I mean, as I said earlier, I'm not always a hundred percent sure that I, I I mean, Billick, great respect for Billick. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. He knows a hundred times more football than I do, but I sometimes think it's good to let a guy stand and watch for a while, Uh, a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. Uh, It's very hard sometimes in today's NFL, you get a high draft pick, they throw them in there. And uh, there's so much pressure and the salary cap in some ways almost demands it because uh, you've invested money in that position. So uh, I understand all that, but uh, you know, I, I think, I think it would be helpful for these guys to sit and watch a little bit because it's a lot faster game than college football. A lot is being thrown at them and especially at the beginning of their rookie years. I mean, good for Joe for handling it, but you know what? He wasn't running around throwing the ball all over the place. He was handing off a lot. And so uh, I, I think it, ha- it would help them. And, and so, uh, you know, but Bowler uh, felt, uh, I mean, he, he appreciated the opportunity, but he said that I was not even close to ready. And so I, I, I wonder how many of these quarterbacks looking back as in their rookie years uh, feel the same way. You know, I'm out there and uh, I'm a great athlete and a great quarterback and I'm learning how to do this. I'm not ready to do this. Yeah. Uh, it might not hurt to, uh, to, to just watch a little bit longer. Yeah. All right, John. Outstanding trip down down memory lane and Bowler's career, and talking about some of these things. I think I know a lot of people will want to reflect on this and, and talk about it. Uh, where can people talk football with you? With me? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm on uh, Twitter. You can give me at Bmore Eisenberg. Uh, that's certainly one. Uh, you know, you can. Uh, you know, that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, I hear from a lot of people, so uh, you know, feel free, feel free to reach out to me that way. All right. Outstanding. If you want to do a 25 years episode with me, still got a few to record this season. Send me a couple bullet points in Twitter and a DM. DMs are open. Uh, Tell me what you want to talk about. I'll get right back to you. Uh, John, thanks again for being on. My pleasure. Thanks as always. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.